Welcome to Cathode Ray Mission. It's me, Randy Big R Hire, coming to you live from Oklahoma's beautiful Oklahoma City. And as always, joining me live via satellite from Berkeley, California, Will Scoville. Hey, Randy. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Just thinking about a little movie called Hold the Dark. Yeah, you know, we were, I, I, I think that we have kind of, uh, I don't know, been, uh, been uh, spoiling ourselves with yeah. a lot of upbeat movies lately. We have. And um, I think we need to be shown our ass uh, every once in a while. And, and so, Randy, I think your pick this week really does a good job of showing us our asses. Um, well, I mean, it's a return to our roots, you know? I think like, so, yeah. It's a return to, like, the days when we would do movies like The Nightingale or The Baby of McCone. Yes. Uh, this is a movie directed by Jeremy Saulnier. We were talking, how do you say? He's an American, but he has, like, a mm -hmm. French-looking name. It could be Saulnier, but I think it's Saulnier, Probably. Probably. It's written by Macon Blair, who was the star of um, fucking Blue Ruin, which he's the director of Blue... This guy, Jeremy Saulnier, directed Blue Ruin and Green Room. And yeah, Macon mm -hmm. Blair wrote this, and he has a brief role in it as well. It's based on a book that this movie is... It's like... Kind of when you watch it, I don't know if you felt this way. I watched it once. This is my second time watching it. It feels like definitely it's based on a novel and they have to cram in a lot of ideas and information and they can't get everything in. And so there's things that are hidden subtextually in the, the movie, you know, that like maybe reveal themselves if you watch it more. But in the novel, it's like very explicit. For instance, the husband and wife are brother and sister. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. I did not get that at all. And so when she murders her kid, it's because of incest and like shame and anger. Hmm. That plays into it. So anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, if that if that is the case, then like, what about all the other kids that went? Well, okay, I don't know. That was something that I was so okay. That's another thing about this movie that that I was confused at the end, and I was like, wait a minute, because yeah, two other kids are missing, and it's like, are they implying? Are they saying that she killed them, or is it that? Wolves actually killed those kids, and she killed her kid, and it was a wolf thing, you know. But also, like one of the kids that was that that got got eaten is that um, the guy who who does the machine gun scene. Which one, is, that was that's the reason I picked this movie. But yeah, yeah, that that is the reason to show people this movie. The standout set um, of the movie. So. Like, so this character, so, I mean, okay, so we should start at the beginning though. It's, it's. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, uh, it's this very, where is this? Alaska. It's this tiny, tiny village and a woman's 
uh, son suddenly goes missing, uh, presumably eaten by wolves, uh, while her husband is uh, off fighting in Iraq. Uh, the wife has not yet told her husband and calls up a wolf expert, and I'm not quite sure how she found this person. <laughs> well, she has his book. And found him so quickly. And because it, I wasn't quite sure the timeline on this because it felt like he was there like the next day. Right, and like it was uh, through a letter. Yeah, that is. Uh, well, I don't know, man. It could have been. It could have been a, mo- a couple months or something since yeah. that happened. It really. I mean, that's another thing about that's. A, I mean, what I'm talking about how this is like clearly based on a novel. It's like a lot of stuff is compressed into this right. movie, and it's it still works for me, but it's kind of. You can tell, I guess, you know. Um, so yeah, she, <laughs> but she when he comes, she has the, his book, and so that's what. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just went with it. It's it's weird. Yeah, same it doesn't here. Doesn't make sense. Because it's like the way the way that this whole his whole character is introduced is that like she has the book, and then we see his like apartment as he's leaving. <laughs> And he's just got like wolf paintings everywhere. And you're like, oh, this guy loves wolves. I get <laughs> it. And so he's there and talking to this woman. We should say, is Jeffrey Wright? That's is another, Jeffrey Wright. another big reason to watch this movie. I yeah. Think, he's the main character of this movie. So she's, she's talking about, because I guess in his book, he writes about his life a little bit. And so she's asking about his wife and stuff. And so he's like, well, you know, she's not around anymore, whatever. She's asking about his kids and it's mm-hmm. just like kind of giving her the the exposition of, hey, things aren't the same as they used to be and I've run on some troubles. Um, but other than that, it's just like, again, I like I kind of just went with it and I, I kind of went with a lot of things in this movie because <laughs> I... You have to. I, I trusted it a lot and it... Uh, I think what you're saying is like it didn't quite pay off because they weren't able to just like fully explore all of the themes in the novel. Mm-hmm. And they had to leave a lot of like, they had to like try to cover all the pieces, but they didn't quite have the time or I don't know, the budget or the ability within a movie to make them all connect and tie up and yeah, be clear about what this movie is trying to say. That said, uh, I think it maintains a good tone throughout it does. the movie. It's very bleak, but it's and it feels genuinely cold. You yeah. know, when you're watching the movie, it, it does feel like like you feel the the chill of the movie and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, and I'll say that like in in his previous movie, Blue Ruin, he had. Like, the whole first half of the movie is, like, this weird, like, intricate chase where he's, like, he's doing stuff and then that is, he's doing that for a reason because it all comes back. And it's almost like a short film of this this guy, like, kind of avoiding these different people through this house and through this, like, different uh, terrain. Um, And so it's, all this stuff is kind of teased out. And then by the end of the movie, it becomes kind of this weird family drama of 
internal like lineage and 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 honor and stuff and it becomes very not vague but just like not as tangible um of a of a thing and i think does it really well i think i think it really shows you that it is about something bigger that is really not that explainable but does it in a way that really kind of leads you there in a really interesting way and i see that in this movie too but i don't think we ever get to a point where we're able to at least see around the edges of that intangible thing that he's trying to point to. Like it just, it's not clear enough for me to understand exactly where all this ends. Mm. Um, and the fact that you're telling me that they're supposed to be brother and sister, I'm just like, what am I supposed to do with that now? Like how does that, that changes a lot of different things in this movie. I think it, there's a lot to do in the novel. They probably get into the culture of living up there. That's why, like, on the second viewing, it's like, oh, yeah. It's just, like, it was a lot better to me this time mm. watching it just because it is kind of jarring the way the story moves and big things happen. And, like, it, at the end, you're kind of like, what was the point of this, you know? It's like, I don't still don't exactly know if I could articulate completely what I think the point of it is but it's still it was an interesting a very it's like a dark interesting movie that looks great and I don't know I just love that I thought Jeffrey Wright is super good and it's great to see him be the star of the movie he looks old he's bald and he's He's just like, he's not a superhero, but he's like a pretty capable dude. Yeah. He's smart and he's, he's awesome. I don't know. And I, I like all the, I don't know. I I just, I, I really, I like, I like this movie. It, it had something and I had to watch this in two parts because I got behind and, uh, you know, after watching Hubie Halloween, this is not really the, a, a good chaser, I would say, um, so I watched about an hour of it and then I came back and I watched the other, the second hour and I, and I thankfully broke it up at like a really cool, a really great point, um, at a good stopping point. Um, I stopped it like kind of in the scene before the lead up to that big shootout that is like kind of the centerpiece of the entire movie. So I am so happy that I, I, I was able to save that and kind of charge into the rest of the story a little bit more fresh and really kind of understand what was going on in that scene. That scene is so fucking amazing. Like, because you see him screwing down. You don't know exactly what he's doing. He's screwing something down to the floor and shit. And like, yeah, I just like, I knew that that happened in the movie. That's why I picked it because I was like, I want to watch it again because uh, True Detective season three has a very similar scene where an indigenous man fights off in that case it's like angry a redneck lynch mob Hmm. uh in this case it's cops even better you know yeah um i so i was kind of mixing those two in my head and i was like fuck it let's just watch i don't know why i don't know why i picked this it's just it's on netflix you know just figure let's do it. Let's, it let's let's watch hold the dark I, I thought that was interesting that it it's not only on Netflix, it is a Netflix original, which I believe they bought it. So they did not, um, this is not an original production, but it is an original release from Netflix. Yeah. 
And so Netflix is just, they go very broad as both a, a, um, a company that releases movies and companies that that is like actually producing things as well. So, I mean, cause they're, they're producing, I don't know that, that fucking, um, cake baking show or something, you know, but then they, they have a movie like this and like, I don't quite know what audience they're going for other than this is kind of like a prestige cast. Um, it shows something a little bit more interesting and I kind of appreciate them buying a movie like this and doing the work to put it out there and make it available. Yeah. Um, even if I don't necessarily understand it or, um, I don't know, like, I don't know if I like it or not. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, no, I just, it, honestly, cause I can't, I can't tell. There's something about it that is, there's something kind of buried in there that once I dig it up, once I dig it out, mm-hmm. Like when I watch it again and I'm like, I, I'll be able to find it eventually and appreciate what it's trying to do. But I've only seen this one time and I don't, I don't know if I'm there yet. So right. it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a really complicated thing for me right now. I, um, but it is, it was interesting to watch and I, I, I stayed engaged in it for longer than I would be engaged in any other movie that really just, it didn't lose me. Um, and so by the end of it, I understood what got these people to the place they got, but I didn't understand necessarily exactly what it all meant. Right. So. Well, it's a movie that's so well made, despite me being a little confused. Like, I was confused watching, even this time, it's sort of like, at the end, you know, I was like, well, what about these other two kids? Like, you know, it's just sort of like, it's almost like impressionistic or something, the way it glosses mm-hmm. over and it moves quickly through a bunch of things that happened, but it, I just can't, I so well made though that I have to believe that the reading the novel would augment our enjoyment of this tenfold. Like, yeah, for instance, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. No, I haven't. It's an adaptation of a Don DeLillo novel. It's a really short novel. And I read, I read the book first cause I like, it just came into my possession and the movie was out, and I was like, fuck it, I'll just read this real quick and then watch the movie. And I think having read the book and then watching, the book is all uh, internal monologue of the main character. The whole book is. And so they don't, they can't do that at the movie, you know? I mean, it'd be avant-garde if they did that with the yeah. movie, you know? So... They just clearly are depicting, they're depicting what happens in the book. But like, if you've read the book, you know what's happening inside of Robert Pattinson's head. And so it was a perfect visual adaptation of what the action of the book is without, I, you know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. I was like watching it. I was like, would people like this if they hadn't read the book? I don't know. But because I have read the book and I know what he's thinking, I love this movie. I thought it was a really good version of Cosmopolis. Yeah. So I think this might be that case. I don't know, though. Yeah, and it's just like, I, I get that, because as I mentioned before, I was reading The Dark Tower this year. I finished it, and um, I, I have not watched the movie since, but I started it a little bit of it, just watching the beginning. And it's yeah. like, the way the way that they did it, and the way that that the whole series kind of wraps up, it's like, Okay, I understand where this fits in now. 
And I don't like it though. <laughs> but it like it gives me a larger perspective where I can be like, I can okay. And you know, they were going to do a TV show, and I'm like, okay, th- that TV show fits in here too. Um, hmm. And so it's just like it, uh, but that's also frustrating because I wanted that to be translated, and that now that I do have that knowledge, I really truly know how bad that movie is. Yeah. Um, and I and I also fear that is that again. They're brother and sister. Um, am I going to hate this movie after I read the book? Because I think it's kind of like the the movie did a lot to fix and obscure stuff because it was bad. Um, I don't know because mm. like if like going that direction means taking this really kind of hackneyed like approach to like giving you exactly what you expect to happen. And by hiding it in this kind of like weird mystic thing that involves masks and and stuff, yeah, kind of obscures any of that that would it just it just makes it more mysterious. And mm. you walking out of it not quite understanding is better than having everything kind of all wrapped up because it's not it's just not as satisfying. Yeah. So, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, write us if you've read this book and tell us and give us a synopsis so we don't have to read it. But yeah, um, I also, I mean, okay, so do you, do you, are you fascinated with Alaska at all? A little bit. Um, just kind of like there's still this, what is essentially American frontier. It is kind of like the last little bit of anything that we could consider that old American frontier. And it, a lot of it is just like inhospitable. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to kind of move to certain parts of the desert, you know, in this country, but you know, Alaska is still not there and it still has an an ancient culture that is still remaining there. That Mm -hmm. was, that was native to that and did not move there necessarily by, by force. And so there's all this old mythology there as well, which can be played into some stories. I think that's really interesting. And yeah, that's like you bringing up the ancient culture that like was already there, the like, you know, indigenous peoples that live there and stuff like that's what drives the whole, like, I mean the whole middle part where Cheon is the name of the character. Yeah. He's Okay. Let's just kind of go through what this, the story, I'll run down the story of this, because we started just kind of freeform talking about yeah, it, yeah. I think. This woman's child disappears, and she writes to this guy who's written a book about hunting wolves, and he's like a wolf expert, and he's like, he's like, I don't know, he's like, he's just some like mystical kind of guy in her mind. I don't know what the deal is. Anyway, he comes up for some reason... Like, he clearly probably has, like, something he has to prove. Who knows why he does it? But he goes yeah. up, and he he knows that wolves don't attack children and stuff. I guess it's, like, not typical wolf. It's, like, not what wolves do. And um, he goes, and he sees, he finds the wolves, and he sees them eating their own young, which I guess is what they would actually do instead of attacking humans. In order to survive, I don't know. Is that what yeah. they're implying there? Um, I thought it was a, is also a metaphor for what happens shortly. Well, of after course, that. yeah, it's meant to parallel. Yeah, what the end too. 
and everything about it. But yeah. So then he goes back and she's gone and he finds the kid in the basement and he realizes that she has murdered her child. Mm -hmm. And so then you cut to Iraq and the husband is like a merciless killer, basically. Yeah. But then he's, he sees somebody getting raped, trigger warning, I guess, for those yes. who are going to watch this. There is like a rape scene in this. And he goes and stabs this dude, but leaves him alive and gives her the knife. Just to like, I guess, show that he has like a code, even though he's like a, a brutal killer. He has like principles guiding yeah. his intent, you know? I don't know. There's a lot of, this movie's full of stuff like that that's like, Meant to like imply things, you know, that like mm -hmm. I'm sure the novel goes into like a lot more depth about, but so anyway, he comes back and after getting shot in the neck, uh, yeah. he, he is transferred back home, yeah, yeah, my bad, yeah. And Chion, <coughs> like, it's like told they're telling that his kid is dead or whatever, and he like just murders the two cops and the coroner and they take his body and like store it and they do like a blood ritual thing mm -hmm. and then they store it. Like you later find out that they were storing it and not burying it because he yep. gets it later and they it's undisclosed what happens later at the end. But, um, but basically, so he goes on like a death quest, revenge quest, and Chion just goes home and he he screws a like a, a big machine gun down to his upstairs floor. And when the cops come, there's like this intense scene where the sheriff um, is like talking to him, and they've known each other. The sheriff is like, "We're friends," and he's like. Whatever you say, guy, like, oh, man, whoever plays Chion yeah. is doing real good work and shit. But, like, it basically, it turns into, like, a whole, he talks about, like, just, like, how, like, they moved in and then, like, imposed all these laws on their land and stuff, but they've completely neglected them and shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's, like, he's, like, yeah, but we got you... Plumbing, he's like, oh, I should give you a medal for allowing me to shit in my own house, you know? Yeah. Julian Black Antelope is who plays Chion. And he's, he's so good in this movie, too. He is like. so intense and fucking awesome. And so basically, he's like, you please come with me and don't make this thing. He's like, you know, it's not going to happen. And like, he goes upstairs and just like kind of without warning, just starts opening fire on all these cops. And like, the first shot, you see this guy get shot in the face and it rips his, oh, it rips uh, his face off. cheek off and you see his teeth and shit. It's like a super graphic. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like about this director and Blue Ruin has it and especially Green Room is extremely realistic. Um, the depiction of violence is very, is very like real and unforgiving and horrible and stuff and he doesn't make it it's like, I mean, it is cinematic, I guess, in the way he shoots it, but it's uh, it's depicted very realistically compared to, say, Gemini Man or some other kind of <laughs> movie, you know? I mean, and I we've talked about this before. I think if you have violence, especially gun violence or, like, fatal violence and stuff in movies, I really feel like you should either 
it should be camp, it should be funny, or it should be realistic, or you should be making a comment on what violence is. It shouldn't just happen like it does in Gemini Man and stuff like that. Yeah, you have yeah. to you have to show something, some real consequence, or you know, you have to do something with it. You can't just have bloodless like people go to sleep. It's like that's not what you know, you can't do that. I don't I, Yeah, it's yeah, just I hate like it though. You know, and and a lot of times they'll do like a maskless or a, a masked person, so you don't you don't even really consider that a person at all. Absolutely. Being, and I mean, like you know, you'll watch uh, Star Wars and it's lasers. So mm-hmm. I think that is like, yeah, okay, it's a laser gun. It's not a fucking bullet it, that mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, no, totally. It is. It is a very very intense scene. Uh, wonderfully directed you you see people making awful decisions as they would yeah in a real situation very like realistic that. dumb decisions and, and you some know are like based around empathy but they're just like foolish you know like and, it, and it's just like you know it finally ends just because like that one guy gets kind of luck, lucky and he almost has a couple of times where he almost doesn't make it like for sure so it is it is extremely intense um I love that part. Yeah, he just starts shooting at the guy, and then he's, like, dragging the guy. This is a guy who's, like, been gunned down, and he's, like, screaming help and stuff. And he just, uh, Jeffrey Wright grabs him, and he just shouts up at Chion. Uh, he's like, stop! Stop it! Yeah. Or whatever. And Chion, it gives him, like, a moment of pause, you know, and he's like, but then he's about to shoot him. And then it just so happens that the sheriff has made his way up to there, and that's when... Chion realizes that and turns around and doesn't shoot Jeffrey Wright. But yeah. Jeffrey Wright got so fucking lucky that he didn't. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, they even say that, like, those cops were, like, brand new. <laughs> they were not very yeah. well trained. Mm-hmm. And that made it, like, terrifying as well. It's just, like, they're they're essentially, like, I don't know, small town cop, you're not doing much. Yeah. You know, you're really just, like, a service Mm-hmm. kind of there mm-hmm. um and so to just get kind of like mowed down uh by this dude with a like a giant gun it's a giant like mounted gun yeah that he's just like using and that he, that he picks up at a certain point mm-hmm. um to get a better angle on everything and yeah it's just it, it's intense but it's extremely bad at like i mean yeah it is like that's the thing about this movie that puts it a huge cut above. And all this guy's movies is that, except in this case, it's more, all right. I was about to say, all this guy's movies are like this. It's not, Green Room is like kids versus Nazis. And you're just like, fuck the Nazis, basically. Yeah. But in this case, I mean, fuck cops too, obviously. But what I'm saying is, the way this movie is, it's like it's extremely self-righteous and badass that Xion does this, mm-hmm. you know. But the suffering is depicted in such a way that you just can't help but feel bad watching these guys on the ground like crying and stuff. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, the, like it's a powerful scene. Shooting people has consequences. Like no matter, like, <coughs> you got to sit there and w- like listen to someone die because you don't necessarily kill them when you sh- when you shoot them. Indeed, you know. Um, and that happens a couple times in this movie, but I think like moving on, this whole shootout with Cheon happens. The the sheriff and and uh, Jeffrey Wright make it through, 
and this is kind of a part where I, um, and, and the conversation that, that the sheriff has with Chion, Chion says something about his wife getting a call and his, and the sheriff's wife is pregnant and he's mm. making this like ominous statement that like, she's just going to get that call. Yeah. The shootout happens. You expect that to be the time. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Well, and so like, I guess she's not going to get that call. He's like, yeah. calls are always going out. And so, uh, and so this leads to like, for me was a weird part of the movie where they're having like dinner at, at the sheriff's house mm-hmm. and they have like wine and stuff. <laughs> and, and then they have like a drink afterwards, like, boy, what a day. Whew. And it, to me, it just felt like, no, I would not. Uh, that would be just, if that was like that night or the day after even, it, I would still be not recovered from that at all. Um, yeah, but what do you do? Up there? I guess it's not yeah. like you can't go walk city streets or anything. You're like in the middle of goddamn nowhere. It's yeah. like I guess I'm hanging out with Jeffrey Wright tonight, <laughs> and my wife. I mean, but yeah, I hear you. It would it would be like the most traumatic thing that happened to anyone ever to be be there and witness that. But so through here, um, in in this conversation though. Uh, the sheriff mentions that, like, after the whole thing's done, he's going to go take his wife some someplace nice and warm with sandy beaches. And that part was stupid. It's like, well, but uh, I know. Uh, but well, first he's of all, it tells three days me away he, from retirement. Yeah, absolutely. It's like he's not going to live to see that. But it also reminds Jeffrey Wright of something that uh, the woman who is now gone said to him about mm-hmm. um, the oh, the warmest spot she knows of is the hot this, springs. The hot springs. And so this sends them out on a on their kind of final trek. They take a plane out. They find it where this hot spring is. And they land on the ice, which I was like, what? Like, that was kind of intense. Yeah, totally. Landing, it's cool as hell. Yeah. It's, um, I, I really dislike flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hate landings. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Uh, they're so bumpy and everything. Yeah. Uh, I would rather take a train. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, so yeah, and it just kind of leads leads to this final. Oh, and and during this whole time, uh, the husband who has come back from Iraq and has killed the cops and everything is yeah going on this rampage. Finds like this old medicine man at a like a tourist stop, and yeah. has this weird conversation with him, and it seems like almost like he's moving into another dimension and talking to like another being of some sort. Yeah. I like, I like that they kind of hint at like a supernatural element at play without ever explicitly having anything like that. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that kind of kept me going along with the movie for as long as I did in that there is this undertone of a, of a dark force of some sort that is not understood by anyone in the movie. They are just, um, they just are able to react to it, you know, in whatever way as it drives them, like the force drives them and that drive and the murder is just a reaction to this being there. Well, the, Um, the medicine man's like, I knew you when you were a kid or like your dad brought me to you and said you were, you weren't right or something like he has some wording that implies like 
He's like, it was like a Dexter's kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. And he gave him some wolf soil or some shit. And like, I was like, all right. I mean, it's like got some, some of the symbolism and stuff is like kind of corny and stuff. And I think in lesser hands, it would have been a total shit show. But just the way that it's directed and it looks and getting the actors they got, I like. It's the Skarsgård brother's son I like. And I also think, watching this movie, I was thinking about um, Insomnia, which mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the original one stars Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, really? It's dad, yeah. So so, so the dad, uh, Alexander's dad, right? Yes. And like Bill is his other son and he's it. Yeah, he's it. And I don't want to then And then, and then, uh, and then another one, or it might be Alexander, is going to be in the stand later this year. Oh, yeah. I bet. Uh, as Randall Flagg. I bet it's Alexander. It's got to be. I mean, I think so. It might be another one, though. Uh, looking it up. Is the stand out yet? No, it'll be out in December. Will it be out? Um, uh, well, when's this episode coming out? This is coming out, I don't know, probably, I don't know. It might be out around the time that the stand is out. Yeah, or close He's to Randall it. Randall Flag in the stand, the guy oh, yeah. from this movie. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing that because the last uh, Randall Flag, well, the last Randall Flag that we had was Matthew McConaughey uh, in the Dark Tower. He's technically Randall Flag. I don't know. But this cast looks a little dodgy, man. I don't know. Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg as as Mother Abigail. I'm excited for. Uh, and then James Marsden is at the top of the list. He's perfect, Stu Redman, dude. Like Gary Sinise played him in the original miniseries, and he was perfect too. Um, like Sinise has got personality, you know. Sinise is also like, like a short like, little weird dude who is like a highly well, trained theater actor. He's not a pretty boy like Marsden. I don't know. Marsden's too I, pretty. That's but, but like. Stu Redman is like the all-American boy. Like, that's his character. Manson's in this? Marilyn Manson? Yeah, he's a trash can man. Is he really? Yep. Holy shit. Yep. Anyway. Can't wait. I'm going to love it. Look forward to that. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I I don't know. Like, this movie... I also, like, I didn't... I didn't understand where Skarsgård and his wife, sister, mm-hmm. fit within the larger community. And I almost felt that, like, they were also supposed to be Native American. No. I think no? that they are people that have just lived, they were born and raised up there. And that mm-hmm. incest is obviously, like, due to the isolation and stuff. And they're friends with, like, Cheon and, like, all the blood ritual and all that stuff. But I saw it more as, because there's a part where she's, he says, my daughter works in Anchorage or whatever. Jeffrey Wright does. And she's like, yeah. that city, that's not real Alaska or whatever. It's like, I get the impression, although she seemed a little too, she didn't seem like a person that's lived her whole life in that town to me. Maybe. But or neither did Alexander. That that casting, they didn't seem rough enough to have lived in a weird place like that, you know. But 
Anyway, no, I just got the impression that they were like, they're born and raised there, you know, by like a weird logger dude who like, because I mean, there's like obviously like settlers encroaching on that land and stuff too. But like, yeah. And that is what they represent. But clearly they had the respect of Gion and their community or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it was it was an interesting relationship that I didn't quite... Unclear. Yeah, it wasn't quite clear to me. I didn't quite understand it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and I, and I read the Wikipedia on this too, and I was like, well, I mean, it gives kind of a detail of... Um, of what happens and which I understood completely. And I'm like, okay, I didn't miss anything there. It's just mm. that there must be this deeper meaning that I'm just either is not expressed in a way that I can see it or that I'm just not getting in the first watch. Yeah. So, uh, but I did want to say that there is like, um, there was a review I saw of someone I follow on uh, Letterboxd where they compared this to No Country for Old Men and just kind of exploring the same themes around that, but just, um, you know, it just, it doesn't really identify anything in the same way that old, uh, no country for old men does, you know, um, it, it does, it doesn't really find the thing that is really driving everyone. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it is never explained. So it just, it is left more immaterial, but I, I don't know. I got to watch it again. I just didn't see the, 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 any, any space where it's like pointing to like, this is, this is what is the thing. This is why when the husband found his wife or sister or whatever, they he didn't kill her or he didn't kill her after she took the mask off yeah and then there's the whole thing about the strangulation because the boy was strangled there's that scene when jeffrey wright first comes to her house where she in the middle of the night she comes out naked with the mask on mm-hmm. um gets in in the bed with him and then puts her his hand on her neck mm-hmm. um and then the whole reason about she taking the mask to that dude mm-hmm. that when Alexander Skarsgård is there, he finds that mask again, but chooses to wear a different mask into the woods. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is that? What is that? And then, and then again, she takes the mask off to stop him from killing her, maybe. So there's a through line there that I don't quite get yet, but I recognize that there's something going on. And I just... If I had a little bit more of a grasp on that, I think I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. It's a dark and mysterious movie. It's not perfect, but it's saying something, but what? And I don't know. It's just sort of, I don't, I don't think it's empty. I think it, I think it's maybe a little bit underwritten, like, or something, or the adaptation just, it leaves a little bit too much. To be like, what the fuck does this mean? You know, like with a little bit more, like it's a two hours and six minutes long. I I would have hung with it for two twenty maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I I I really did think when they were like in that plane, I didn't think that was wrapping it up. And then I looked at like the time left, and I'm like, oh, this is like getting pretty close. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I I really did expect like another half hour or so. Um. 
So yeah, I mean, I don't know. They they could have. I think there's. It's so slow and quiet for a lot of the movie too. They could have maybe trimmed some stuff and added just a little bit more. I mean, I don't know. They're trying to do something. I think it's maybe. I would rank it above Blue Ruin, but below Green Room hmm. for this duo because I think Megan Blair, he's definitely the star of uh, Blue Ruin. He wrote this, and he's it. I his part in this is very good too. Mm-hmm. He's listening to like some black metal or something, yeah. and like he fixes up. They're like school buddies. Um, he's the fix-up guy. Mm-hmm. And he gets murdered like, very brutally, and it's his scene is good, like because he's yeah, like the way he goes through all these different attempts, and he's like, "Well, fuck you, buddy, fuck you," and he just gets stabbed in the head. I want to because you you're talking about violence in the in his movies, mm-hmm. and I want to say in Blue Ruin, there's a another scene where someone gets stabbed in the head, yes, like in the side of the head, and they just do this like weird blinking thing. Uh-huh. That I was like, holy shit! Like when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, yeah that's because you you're sticking a fucking knife into someone's brain, yeah, fucking their brain all up. Uh, of course, they're gonna start acting <laughs> funky. And I was like, I've never really seen that in a movie done that way. Um, and it was kind of freaky. It's good, yeah. Blue yeah. Ruin is a really good movie too. Green Room, I think, will. Uh, it's like maybe just like a masterpiece. We'll see. I've heard a lot of great things about that movie. As time goes on, I think it'll eventually stand up as like an all-time classic, like is it horror, be like a survival horror movie. Like, because I just watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre again, like last week. Yes, and I'm like, I hadn't watched that movie in like 20 years, and I'm like, wow, this really holds up. Like, this is really good. Like the whole, I don't know, last half hour or so, you're just like, holy shit, dude. There's, yeah. I mean, you were talking about the Toby Hooper one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the original? original? Yeah, yeah, no, like, absolutely, man. Texas Chainsaw is ageless so far, in my opinion. It's like, and this movie, yeah, I think it will, I mean, on that level, I don't know, you know, Texas Chainsaw is brilliant on, like, an extremely high level of just, like, creativity, like, somebody... Somebody just making art, you know. But yeah. um, Green Room is very high quality, though. And <laughs> the depictions of violence are very realistic. It's very upsetting and stuff. It can be. I mean, it's known to be a pretty brutal movie. There's a lot of um, dog attacks in it mm-hmm. and stuff are employed because they're basically it's about a band that pisses off. Well, they piss off these Nazis. At, they're like at a Nazi bar in a Nazi mm. compound. They kind of like accidentally got involved in this show. And then when they realized where they were, they rebelled against the Nazis and like p- already pissed everybody off. But then they witnessed a murder on accident. And so they're like stuck there basically. Fuck. And trying to get out. And that's what the whole movie is. And Patrick Stewart is like the leader, the white supremacist leader. And Man. Shit. Yeah. I, it's I'm a great watching- movie. I'm watching Next Generation right now, and I'm like, I'm kind of like into to Patrick Stewart right now. I'm like, man, he's great. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really do want to see, uh, yeah, what 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 he can do there. Uh, he's a good villain. If I don't know, conspiracy theory is another good villain term mm. from Patrick Stewart. I believe he's the, a villain in Masterminds as well. The is uh, conspiracy theory the the Ron Howard, uh, Mel Gibson. 
Uh, is Ron Howard the director of that? I know he did Ransom with Mel Gibson. Oh, that's Ransom. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. But no, it is Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, and Patrick Stewart as the bad guy. Okay. Huh. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I think this is a good point. Uh, as good a point as any to take a break. All right. Would you, back. for a second... Hold the dark for me real quick. <laughs> Let's take a break <laughs> and we'll uh, come back with a big roundup. I would rather have a day job than be a Pokemon master. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. And we are back. Well now for the big roundup. What did what does hold the dark mean? Hold the dark. We didn't even talk about that. I want to get into this real quick. <laughs> this what the fuck does the title mean? I don't know. I think it has something to do with the woman in this movie is saying something about how the sky is wrong, um, which is another thing I didn't quite understand in the context of this movie. Um, and then there's this other thing about how Jeffrey Wright is confused after he leaves the cabin mm-hmm. about what time it is, which is also ties into that insomnia thing mm-hmm. about... Um, it's evocative, uh, but it seems meaningless to me. Yeah. Hold yeah. the dark. <laughs> anyway, what did I think about it? From yeah, zero what to five you, stars. Zero to five star on a five star scale. What Jeremy Saulnier's <laughs> film, Hold the Dark, written by Macon Blair, starring Jeffrey Wright, who I love. And I think the whole world, mm. everyone loves Jeffrey Wright. Everyone knows him at this point. He's in fucking Westworld. He's like a yeah. very major character in Westworld TV show. I need, I need to wrap up. I watched the first season of that. and then Not my thing. I watched I watched like a season of it and I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't need I enjoyed the first it. season. And I, 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 coming from a guy who like loved the movie as a kid. So yeah. like, I'm one of those weirdos. I'm actually excited. I know this is coming out not tomorrow, so this will be way out of dated, but I'm very excited to start watching season four of Fargo. Uh, oh, really? This rock is like, I need to get into that show too. So, Fargo's a great show. Anyway, this movie 
I did like it. I love the Alaskan wilderness as the backdrop. I mean, I I love any. I mean, I love Grizzly Man is a movie. I work at a movie theater. We recently screened that. We're doing uh, like a member screenings. We don't have to pay license, so I can kind of just do whatever I want. But it has to be a movie that people want to see. And yeah, Grizzly yeah. Man on a big screen. If anyone ever gets a chance, when everything settles down, we can all. You know, I'll do stuff like that. I, I'm i in a unique situation. People don't know. I'm in a unique situation. I work at a single screen, not-for-profit theater um, in Oklahoma City. So it's very, we have, social distancing has been pretty easy to do, but it's a very unique situation. I understand a lot of people are not comfortable with going to theater. And honestly, when you get up to about, 20 or so people I'm kind of weirded out about yeah but sometimes you love movies you know you go be brave and stuff anyway Grizzly Man was a great movie I love I went on a huge tangent just then I've just been thinking about it clearly I don't know yeah but, yeah uh, uh Northern Exposure The Edge just I mean Alaska's a cool place I hope to go there someday the Nolan version of Insomnia, also Alaska movie. I'm going to give this movie three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. Uh, uh, so this Yes. So this one for me, like it is, there's enough substance there for me to kind of hold on to. Uh, that machine gun scene again is a incredibly directed scene. Um, very brutal, but very well done. Uh, and it happens very close to the middle of the movie. Um, and there's a lot of tension kind of leading up to that. And then there's a lot of like stuff that kind of spills out after that as well. Um, and a lot of good performances and, you know, the story, once I figure it out is going to do something else for me, I'm sure. Uh, but it's one I'm, I'm going to watch again eventually. Um, and so on a, uh, on a five-star scale, I gave this one three stars. Mm. So just a little, little under yours. So that might bump up the next time I watch it, but, uh, for now it's, it's at that three. Sweet. Yeah. Well, do you have any recommendations? Mr. Recommendations, uh, based on this one. Oh man. Um, one, uh, is pretty basic for me that comes to mind, uh, dead man, always about a man um, having to suddenly become uh, part of something greater than he he knew previously. He is essentially killed and is taken essentially through this purgatory that is the American West mm. uh, to his final destination. Um, Gary Farmer is in that, uh, who was in Powell Highway, um, that's the movie that I first saw him in. Mm -hmm. Um, it does have Johnny Depp in it. Uh, but, um, if you can get beyond that, it's, it's a super good movie and kind of touches on some of the same themes, um, as this, uh, I would also second insomnia. I think that movie is great. It also takes place in Alaska. Uh, one of those great, um, dramatic, uh, Robin Williams roles. Mm. Um, I think he, he has uh, done some dramatic roles that I think he overdoes it on, and this is definitely one where he plays it exactly as he needs to. Um, so, 
Uh, those are really two, my two recommendations for, for this movie. Hell yeah. Well, I'm going to have to recommend the um, Swedish Insomnia with Stellan Skarsgård. It's got a pretty different ending, if I recall correctly. It's worth watching both of those, I think. Um, and um also I'll, I'll just go ahead and say an element the element of a crime the Lars von Trier movie is another good like just dream like kind of confusing detective movie that has a really like like stylistic quality to it um this movie I really I love this movie because I like the director and stuff but I think Jeffrey Wright is just this terrific actor that I mean I was talking about that a little bit but I want to just say like if you haven't seen Basquiat that's the movie where he <laughs> kind of like busted onto the scene that it's a great I mean I don't know who knows if that maybe like truly holds up but his performance is good and it's also got David Bowie playing Andy Warhol and and it's got you got a lot of people that Dennis Hopper is that, and he's got a really bad accent. Yeah. I, yeah. The cast is a stacked ass cast and it's like, but he's, he was kind of like unknown and he like burst out on that. Mm -hmm. And he also, um, plays one of my all time favorite villains in the shaft movie from like 2000. Oh God. I just, um, I think about that movie sometimes. I went and saw that when that came out. And I had a friend get mad at me for seeing that. He's like, I can't believe you went and saw that piece of shit. I'm like, you didn't even see it, dude. That was who, like. Who got mad at you? Uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, no, I, I actually didn't see it at the time. And I saw it sometime in my late 20s, maybe. And I fell in love with that movie. And I've watched it's it. It's good. It's very good. It's a very, it's a great movie. Yeah, and Jeffrey Wright is like a very scary, unpredictable villain. There's a part where. He's so mad that his brother has been killed by Shaft that he's oh god he's like stabbing himself chest. yes I and he's love looking that scene. with it's just so intense and like fucking like this guy is scary yeah. as fuck like it's it's really good so and I also love uh, speaking of Jim Jarmusch he's in Broken Flowers he has a great mm. uh, supporting role as Bill Murray's uh, neighbor. neighbor who smokes pot on the sly he's like a dad and he's like some kind of tech dude or something yeah like yeah he's like a fun real fun character so that was an interesting movie uh too um yeah very jarmushy and it's just like kind of you can tell when when bill murray kind of respects a director mm -hmm. uh because he will definitely like play along with that director and do what the director tells him to do oh yeah and you, and sorry. He and no he definitely is like this is Jim's movie and I need to do Jim's movie the way Jim wants to do it, you know, and um, he's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he is. And you got a good um, Sharon Stone performance Yeah, in the in the mix there. And like, I actually watched that movie on Mushrooms when I was like in my early 20s. And I remember the Mushrooms really taking hold like in the last 10 to 15 minutes, so... The, that weird... God, it's already kind that, of a mind fuck, like the end of the movie, you know? That, and there's so. that shot where he's just like, he looks at that car and it's just like that dude looking at him. And it looks like, like that that dude the, could be his son too. Just I know. Like, it's just like... But the thing is, that actor, mm -hmm. Bill Murray's son. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Nice. And it's just like, yeah, that, that ending shot is just like, fuck, dude. 
like, because it doesn't go right for him. And mm. then it's just like. And you never find out. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. It's a, it is a really good movie, Broken Flowers. That movie, <laughs> it reminds me, have you seen that movie, The Swimmer? Uh, with um, Burt Lancaster? No, I never have seen that. Have you heard of that one? Where he's I, like, I've heard the name, but like I, I don't know anything. If it has Burt Lancaster, it's older than I thought it was. Yeah, it's it's like set early seventy, mid seventies, and it's okay. like he's a guy, and he decides to swim the river of pools back to his house, which is like, you know, he is at one location and he's going to go back to his house, and on the way there is a series of houses with pools. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to swim across the pool. So it's like, there's a river of pools back to my house. And so it's him interacting with every person at every pool. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so it's a very weird movie. Who directed uh, that? I don't remember. And it's just kind that of like... That sounds fun, though. Someone mentioned it to me a long time ago. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I The river of it. pools, man. That's yeah. fucking... You've yeah. you've ignited my interest for sure. <laughs> it, was on, it was on Criterion for a bit. It might show up again. Okay, or it might be on Amazon right now. But very yeah, good. Hell yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, so Randy, what do you got going on? What's oh? What's what's with Randy this week? Not too much. Just you know, be nice to people out there. I kind of lost my cool today at Dunkin' Donuts. This what geez. man. Did you yell at a at a at an employee? I didn't yell. No, what happened was they made my sandwich wrong, and I went in and I was like, "Oh, could you please remake this for me?" You know, and she's like, "I need to see your receipt," and I was like, "What?" You know, she's like, "Receipt," and like I was just like, "All right," you know, like, I don't know, and I went and got it, and then they made it wrong like two more times. So I was oh like, man. I was just very clearly exasperated, you know, and I just should have been like a little more zen positive and stuff. Yeah, man. But it was like, it was just like a 20 minute wait in the line and then the whole receipt thing just set me off, you know. So I just want get that off my chest <laughs> and tell everyone to be kind to each other. I've worked nothing but service jobs my whole life. Mm-hmm. I know better. I didn't go full nuclear. It's not something I go there all the time. I'm gonna, it'll be fine. I'm gonna apologize anyway. I'm sure it's not even the worst thing that happened that day. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I, everyone, I have been, look out I have for also, yourselves. you know, it's hard sometimes just to like, fuck, everything just rises up at once. Yeah. You can't let you can't live that way. I, uh, I don't work service anymore. Um, and I haven't for about almost five years now, which is amazing. But, um, through, uh, until like my mid thirties, I was, I was, had worked almost exclusively in service jobs and I have from the other side yelled at customers before. Um, and it's just, man, it happens both sides. You're having a bad day. You don't know this person. Um, it's nothing personal. Oh, uh, no, I know. So, yeah. 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 It's just whatever for sure and i i am usually on the other side and i do deal with rude people all mm-hmm. the, even though i'm in a management position now i still have customer interaction and i have to just like deal with curtness and rudeness and stuff and like 
I'm not, I don't know. I just, I'm not, so I'm not, I know I don't need to like seek full atonement, but I'm just saying, I brought it up specifically just to be like, you know, yeah. everybody take care and stuff. I got to yeah. take care. I think about things and just calm down a little bit and chill out. Cause you know, you know what I say. You know what I have a little mantra that I say to myself mm-hmm. whenever I start to get a little, uh, little steamed, and you know I feel like I'm about to pop. It's just it's uh, hold the dark. Just hold the dark, Randy. Yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> hold the dark until until you go crazy and put the wolf mask on and murder a bunch of people. <laughs> Shoot an arrow through someone's neck. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Uh, you know, for me. Check out uh, Nerd Rage of the Great Debates every week. Uh, by the time this drops, you can probably go back and hear Randy judge on two episodes uh, near the end of October. Uh, it's our uh, horror sequels uh, tournament, which we gave away a pretty sweet belt, um, which I don't know if you can see a photo of that in the episode, but I have seen it, and it's... It was a freaking, cool belt. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, yep. Um Excuse me, uh, Subdoc documentary review. Uh, you can hear the Grizzly Man episode uh, that we did not too long ago, uh, reviewing some classic documentaries. Uh, check it out. Fun stuff uh, on that one. Uh, and then, uh, oh, yeah, there's a show called uh, uh, Cathode Ray Mission that you should check out. Uh, tell your friends about movie reviews uh, and such. I've heard about it. It sounds cool. It's like some two chill ass bros yeah talking about music then in their movies <laughs> mid mid to late 30s approaching 40 one of them uh are you you're not 40 yet i turned 40 uh beginning of next year oh hell yeah so dude. 2021 i'll be 40 i'll be 37 next year hell yeah and man i'll be 36 <laughs> <laughs> all right man uh so randy another uh, good recording session with you. A uh, little peek behind the curtain. We uh, yeah. record these in in bulk, <laughs> so this this may play wildly out of order. So yeah. We might be talking about things that um, we might be dead by the time this episode comes out. Let's yeah, we might be. So, Who knows? Like knows? the world, fucking crazy stuff. Who yeah, knows? we will come out on time until we <coughs> run out of episodes. I promise you. So if we are dead, you will still get an episode of Cathode Remission. Hell yeah. Uh, they will digitally de-age us and um, mm-hmm. stick our faces onto some Swedish actor's body. All right, Randy. Thanks will. so much. <laughs> and I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks. See you later, bud.